This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone. Today I'll be talking with Dr. Laura Morgan Lee. Dr. Morgan is a board certified sports medicine physician and former professional team doctor who after her own pregnancy and postpartum journey realized traditional medical care was simply put failing mothers. Leveraging her career experience with athletes, she turned her focus to providing the education and empowerment one needs from expecting two years after baby. The vision is clear. Bridge the gap to elevate the traditional way medicine is delivered for mothers, the same way we care for athletes. Dr. Morgan is currently working on building a community to fill the gap postpartum filled with education and empowerment. In today's episode, Dr. Morgan will share her postpartum experience and how it changed the way she views the healthcare system as a whole and what we can do to better support mothers and be better advocates for ourselves. Let's dive in. Just a little disclaimer before we start this episode, this podcast does not provide medical advice. The information on this podcast is for informational purposes only. No material on this site is intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. All right, Dr. Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. So today we're going to talk about something that we're both very passionate about, and I'm sure many mothers listening are very passionate about as well. So let's start off with, can you just share your experience as a medical provider, your sports medicine physician? Like what your transition into motherhood looked like? Like what did you feel prepared? Do you wish you knew things ahead of time? What was your personal experience? Yeah, thank you so much for asking. This is kind of where it all started for me. So this is really important. In my career, I have had the opportunity to a lot of do amazing things. I've taken care of pro athletes, weekend warriors. I've taken care of pregnant patients before. And I let's just say I developed a newfound respect after I went through the process myself. I remember vividly now there was one patient that had had a uh, broken kneecap and I put them in a knee immobilizer when they were like several months pregnant. And now I think back to myself and think, oh my goodness, what did I have to do to that poor, that poor patient? But my personal experience was this. So I was pregnant and my daughter was breech, persistently breech. I did all the research on all the things to do to take care of her when we came home from the hospital, knowing that I was going to likely end up with a C-section. I still didn't really get all the information that I needed for myself. And I find that hilarious because again, I am a sports medicine doctor. I should know these things. And I was completely prepared for her. I read all the books. I, you know, I had it all covered. But for myself, I kind of went the bare minimum and immediately like snap when I got home from the hospital with my wound. And I even have a husband that is a pelvic surgeon. He's an orthopedic trauma surgeon. So he knows how to take care of wounds and things. I was like, I have no idea what to do to myself. So my transition to motherhood 
rocked me immediately. And, and it wasn't the baby portion. It was the mom portion that I think I really struggled with. And so, I mean, I'm home, I have this newborn. And as you know, uh, and hopefully most of many of your listeners know, like taking care of that is a whole thing in itself. And then I have this, you know, pelvic wound from the C-section. And I start to think to myself, like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, legitimate crying on the bathroom floor because my husband was packing my wound because I had a couple of areas that came open. Like, what am I going to do? How am I going to provide for this newborn? I have all of this information to take care of her, but I have no idea what to do for myself. And of course, the basics are covered from, you know, the hospital and my lovely OBGYN, which I love dearly. And I, you know, I assigned myself up for pelvic floor rehab. I did all the right things. And I still had no idea how I was going to get from that to what came next in motherhood when it came to caring for myself. So it was, it was not a smooth transition. It was one that made me cry a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally understand where you're coming from. I felt the same exact way. And you'd think like as somebody with any type of medical background whatsoever, you're like, oh, I know what this entails, you know, especially when it comes to like taking care of yourself. You're like, I know what it, it, you can possibly prepare yourself. And I just like, as we'll talk about further too, I just don't think there's, there's just not enough support for mothers bef- even before they're getting ready. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the issues that women face are not, they're like these issues that no one wants to talk about, right? And then, well, what the heck are you supposed to do when you're postpartum and that happens to you? No one's ever talked about it before. You don't even know that like this thing exists, you know, and people are either too embarrassed to talk about it or don't want to or whatever it is. I mean, there's so many different things I could I could say about that. Like with breastfeeding, I had so many people be like, oh, this is such a natural thing to do. Like it was, I'm, Still, to this day, throughout all of my pregnancies, all of my births, for me personally, breastfeeding was the most difficult. And it was difficult every single time after baby one, baby two, number three, and number four. It was so hard every single time. I learned new things after every single time, but every single baby was a different problem. And so it's it's not even that you gain experience. Of course, you do have that, but there's new things that happen that you don't realize. And it's like, you're still on your own figuring it out for yourself. There's just the support system is so incredibly lacking. It's like ridiculous. Bananas, right? You made so many good points there. I want to, I want to speak on the, don't want to talk about a thing that you mentioned, because I think that's really important. I think there's twofold to that. One is the shame, right? It's embarrassing. You don't want to like, when it comes to like breastfeeding, you're like, man, if everybody else has got this figured out, I don't, I'm the one that's going to be awkward and weird. Or you're talking about very personal things, your pelvis and your bleeding and your going to the bathroom and sex life. And you know all these things that are very intimate and personal to you as a human, sharing those is really uncomfortable, one. And then two, there's this huge realm of normal normalization around it, right? So when you come home from the hospital, you know, it's expected that you're tired. It's expected that you feel X, Y, or Z. And it's almost like I think mothers feel a little bit weird saying, hi, um, actually, I'm still bleeding. And is this normal? I, you could, you tend to normalize it. And every experience is so different. And you speak to that with your with your breastfeeding experience there. Every time you had a baby, even though you may have learned and got better at it and had some understanding, the experience of it is so different uniquely just from pregnancy to pregnancy, let alone from mother to mother in, you know, different realms. And I think you're, you're hitting the point home there with like the education information is just lacking. The experience is normalized. There's shame around it. And we're very lucky that we live in a society that is coming around, I will say, to having more open conversations and sharing more information. But I was lucky when I had my daughter, a friend of mine texted me 
I'm almost like, I guess I was like two days home. And she was like, just so you know, natural breastfeeding does not feel natural at all to a lot of people at all. And we still did great and we got, you know, we did it and it was wonderful, but like, uh, man, yeah, all those things we don't talk about. And I, there's, I think there's a lot of reasons why and you, you mm-hmm. hit them, you hit them there. Yeah. I mean, I think it would even, I love having these conversations about like, we'll talk a lot about like the six week visit and like what else we should be doing either before and after that visit, because I think it's helpful. We can sit here and preach all we want until the cows come home that the way that the system is set up is is not helpful for mothers at all but we need to talk about like what can we do to change it or what does what does a a system that would be supportive look like right because i do think as you said i mean the more we talk about these things the more people are going to be aware of it and that's how we make change we can't make change if we don't talk about these things i mean what was it like the 50s when women didn't even know how babies were made like they didn't know where their cervix was and where their uterus was i mean like we've made significant progress, right? Of course, but there's still so much progress to be made when it comes to supporting mothers and all of that. I mean, it's just- I agree. I mean, we can, we talk about the sick week visit. We know that's like laughable in many instances and it's a systemic problem. You know, I harp on that no matter where I go and what I say, this isn't an individual problem. This isn't an OB problem. This isn't a a provider problem or, or whatever. This is a systemic healthcare issue. And I think you're right. Speaking about it is one step, but we do need to talk about like, what do we do in the broken system? to maximize ourselves, right? And to help ourselves the best we possibly can. And it is, it is not easy. The navigation is hard in healthcare, no matter what area of it you're trying to access. But there are some things that I think we can talk about today that will be advantageous for your listeners to be sure that they are educated and not just at six weeks postpartum. We need to be educated before pregnancy, during pregnancy, after pregnancy, for a significant time after, because as we both well know, your lives are affected in emotional, physical, and social ways for a lot longer than that mm. short period in the early, you know, fourth trimester. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I'd like to argue the fourth trimester is like literally the rest of your life. After <laughs> <laughs> it's the yes. period of time after you have a child and then for eternity. <laughs> for eternity. So much changes. And yeah, you could argue, you know, hormonally speaking, things quote unquote, normalize at a certain period. But I agree completely. Your your entire existence is altered. You know, I have a uh, 19-month-old now, she is. And for the first six months, I even applying the own principles from being a physician, being a sports medicine doctor, all the things I know and having this thing click that they were talking about today where I decided to treat myself like one of my athletes, I was still like, whoa, blown away at six months. And then maybe at a year, I kind of had it like a rhythm to it, but I still wasn't quote unquote back to normal or back to my, my kind of function that I wanted. And, you know, around 16 to 18 months, I was kind of like, okay, maybe, maybe we're on our way now. But even now there, I'm still not doing everything the way I want and how I want. And I still notice changes with my body with a, with a 19 month old. So yes, hundred percent. Fourth trimester is, it is not what you think it is. It is much longer. No, I'm still, maybe I'm still in it. Maybe that's, maybe that's you the are. thing. I don't know. Maybe you're teaching yeah. me something. <laughs> You are. It's permanent, I swear. (laughs) No, really though. I mean, it's, and I think it's like when you finally come up for air, you're like, oh shit, I think, I think I have anxiety. I think I have depression. I think I have problems in my pelvis. I think I, and you're like, just like all these things kind of come like to a head where you didn't even, you weren't thinking about them before because you weren't thinking about yourself, you know? And I think too, in our society, it's like, there can be like a whole podcast on this. And I, I think I, I'm going to write it down because I think I want, I, I, it needs to be a whole thing in and of itself, but like just mothers thinking they need to be the hero and just needing to do it all by themselves because that's the society in which we live where it's like applauded if you are like able to tackle it all by yourself. And then just like this 
like, oh, she's so selfless. Look at her. She's giving everything she can for her family or for her kids. And it's like applauded to be selfless. Like, I'm just, it, it's, it's so frustrating to me yeah. because and I'm that's like, both internal and external, in my opinion. Because yeah. you know, society, yes, one hundred percent. But as a, uh, you know, and also consider myself a new mother. Like I am still trying to navigate that even now. So even knowing all the things in that you know postpartum early phase where it's nearly impossible to do all those things to take care of yourself. Here now, 19 months later, I still feel an internal obligation to, you know, make sacrifices. My husband calls me the martyr most of the times because I'll feed our daughter three wonderful meals per day and I'm going to eat cheese slices, you know, even as a health and wellness professional, like you just, you do the best you can, but you're still, you're the martyr and it's, it's internal and external, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about like, just, I mean, obviously we know like there's this huge gap in between, okay, hi, you just had a baby and you're going to take this little thing home and you're going to take care of yourself and your baby. And we're going to give you very little information about that. I mean, as you said, this is not anyone's fault in particular. This is just the way that the system is set up. We're not, I don't think, educated properly on on how to care for ourselves and our, our children postpartum. And then you have this gap of six weeks where all of these things are happening with your body. So many things, especially if you're nursing, it's like, what the hell's going on? Like I have an overproduction. I have an underproduction. I have my boobs hurt. Like my bladder feels like it's falling. Like all these different things that you're experiencing and there's no one checking in to say like, hey, like not even a phone call, like, hey, how are you feeling? Like, is there anything you want to talk about? Any questions you might have? And then you wait these six weeks and then you have all these questions and you're given, I don't know, 15 minutes <laughs> to ask these questions because of course, appointments are scheduled every 15 minutes back to back to back to back and no one has any time to talk to anybody about anything. And that goes for not just OB, for every single specialty known to man. There's just never enough time to be able to talk to your patients the way you want to. Again, another systemic issue. But it's like you have all these questions that you probably forgot about, right? And and <laughs> you'll leave that appointment like with more questions than you went in with, you know, and then you're set off unless you have any particular things that need following up on. You're just sent off on your way to take care of your child until they're 18 and they move out. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I would love to hear from you, like what you think about what the ideal, like what your ideal situation setup would be. Like how often do you think like a a check-in should be either covered by insurance or what does the ideal situation look like for for a postpartum mom? First, I want to agree with you 100%. This is not anyone's fault, whether it be the provider or the patient or anybody involved in that transaction. You know, it's a, we're setting it up for failure, right? On both sides, there's, it's not the, you know, the appointment time slots being 15 minutes, the the mom that has this new newborn is doing her best and has to try to write things down in her phone because when she gets there, she doesn't even know what to ask because in society, we haven't done a good job of educating of what is quote unquote normal, what, you know, you need to know about wellness and fitness. You know, look at me, I am, you know, I'm probably as optimized as you possibly could have been, right? I am a, physician. I had a supportive partner who was also a physician. I had a wonderful OB. I did all of the visits with my postpartum physical therapist. I have the means, the access, all of the, you know, privilege, if you will. And I was still lost. I still didn't know what to do at first. And I think you're you're spot on with that. It is not anybody's fault. And so what do you actually do? So when I was going through that process myself, something clicked. Uh, it was about three-ish months postpartum as I was like crying in my closet again, trying to figure out what to wear because how am I supposed to get dressed? I don't know how to move. My body still feels foreign. Hormones are still, you know, flying through my veins. 
And I was like, what if I started treating myself like I do my athletes? And we think about that. We think about how I take care of, say, someone who tore their ACL or someone had, you know, a knee injury or someone who had surgery of any kind on any body part, you're going to treat them in a very different way than we treat our peripartum patients. And they have involvement from recovery, rest, and rehab to start with, right? We talk to them about the injury report. Let's even go back further. We have an injury report that tells me exactly what happened. And then we do, you know, rehab-focused training on getting them back to a normal functioning baseline. And then we talk about rebuilding them to a athlete to their full potential of their normal, you know, high level function. And that doesn't just involve a physical therapist. It doesn't just involve a doctor. It involves nutritionists. It involves athletic trainers. It involves a whole team of people supporting this individual throughout that, that experience. And so if I could design my dream scenario for how I'm taking care of these people, which by the way, I am working on very, very hard, is I think you need a team of support, including education on the medical components of things, the things that you don't get told when you leave the hospital on how to take care of yourself. Again, not an OB problem because your OB is doing such a wonderful job worrying about the big, bad, scary things, but you're the one at home Googling, how do I get in bed? How do I pee? Am I not peeing? Is that bad? Is that good? Like, is, is what is considered not peeing? Is it, you know, like you have no concept and again, not your fault. So someone that can explain all of those components to you and then someone that can help with the what happens next? And this is something I know you and I wanted to talk about. So you get to six weeks, you're quote unquote healed and you're quote unquote cleared. And we could go off on what clearing versus that word even means, which isn't probably what most people think, but what happens next? So you need to start rehab if you haven't done it, rehabbing your pelvic floor, your core, but not just that, your back, your upper body, your legs. During pregnancy, your body changes so much. Think about your center of gravity, your muscles, your ligaments all loosen because of hormones. If you're breastfeeding postpartum, that continues. There's a, a just a milieu of all these things that happen. So starting to rehab all of those different things while, you know, caring for this tiny newborn that needs all of the things. And if you choose to breastfeed or are breastfeeding, you know, dealing with the hormones and the changes from that, that's almost a whole thing right there. And then once you get through that phase of the rehab and everything is functioning back to just a physiologic quote, norm, so a normal body function, then we have to worry about rebuilding you to, I don't want to say where you were before, because you're not going to go back, you're going to go forward. But we need to rebuild you to do the things that you want to do to live your life and the way you want to live it. And that's a whole nother phase. And, you know, that hopefully gets you back to feeling, quote, unquote, like yourself. And I've said, quote, unquote, like way too many times. But I think kind of illustrating that it's not just a six-week click. You're real. You're cleared. You can go run. You can go exercise. You can go do whatever you want to do. Problem. It's a, what do you do now? And how do you kind of navigate that next phase in a piecemeal way to be able to grow and change and rebuild and function just like you would if you were an athlete training to return to your sport? Because your sport is life and function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's like by going to that six week visit and being told everything looks great, it's like you're being told, okay, you can be normal now. Like everything's looking fine. So, so the second you think that something isn't fine, you're like, oh, but I was, you know, it is fine because I was just there. And, and so there's all these things that you tell yourself they're normal because you had this 15-minute visit where you were told everything was fine. Or even if they're not normal, you don't know what to do about it. Like, right. Do you call your OB and say, I can't do a squat like I want to squat when I pick up my kid? Right. Like, right. Like that, like you're like, I don't want to bother them with that. They're not yeah. going to, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not trained in OB. I don't deliver babies. And they're not trained in 
wellness and sports medicine in the same ways that someone like myself is. So there's this really, again, gap in healthcare and how we're treating patients in this period because the the lines aren't communicating. The the patients, you know, are don't know normal. They are worried. They don't want to share this information, all the things we've, you know, talked on already. And it is just, it's, it's bad out there. It's, it's real bad. I'm going to get like really heated about this because it just, when I went through it myself and back to my first story that I told you, you know, thinking about that patient that I put in a knee immobilizer when she was like 38, 39 weeks pregnant, I'm like, wow, wow. Right. I mean, it just, it really strikes a chord now. If you're listening, I'm sorry. I did what I needed to do, but I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, there's just so much to think about. And it's like you said before, like you had everything stacked up for you and with privilege of like, I have insurance. I have the ability to cover what I would need to cover should I need extra physical therapy or or if I need a mental health appointment or what have you. But this is not the case for a lot of people where maybe they don't have insurance. Maybe they have a certain type of insurance that doesn't cover anything. It covers the very bare minimum. And so to think of paying, I don't know, $100 for pelvic rehab, which I feel like it should be absolutely covered for every single person that gives birth, whether it's C-section or vaginal, 150%. Like it just needs to be done. I don't know what the heck we can do, but it needs to be done. In order for people to do that, I mean, a lot of people have to pay out of pocket, even with insurance right now, because it is just not a, it's not something that's recognized as part of the postpartum process that is covered by insurance. And it's so wild to me that (laughs) we are pushing a baby out of our vagina or having a major abdominal surgery performed and then being told like, oh, but you go to physical therapy for any other surgery yeah. that you oh, have. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> right? I, I, like, I thought about it when I went the first time. So I did the actual math. I can't remember the number now, but I calculated how many days I'd worked, how many patients on average I would see per day in my former practices, and how many times I would likely have referred to physical therapy. And the number was in like hundreds of thousands, right? Because like, like, it's what I do. And I love my physical therapy colleagues. They are amazing. I had never once been myself. <laughs> and so I, you know, I've worked with them and, and learned about it, but I hadn't actually been a patient. And so going postpartum and, you know, from, I think I was at my 12 week visit when I was told my OBGYN, hi, I want to be referred after I have this baby. Cause like, that's how into it I am. Every single person should have access. And we are also, we're not just talking about cost here. The other component of it is you have a newborn, the support, whether it comes from the social aspects of your home or whatever you have, it was difficult for me. Again, someone with a supportive partner in the home and resources and insurance to go to my appointments and regularly make them. And there's just so much that needs to be done in so many different areas of this. And it, someone who may not have insurance, it's, it's, what do you do? What what do they do? Right. uh, Yeah. I had done a few podcasts with, I was talking to like mothers around the world. And so there was one from Canada. There was a few, of course, from like Europe and, it's crazy to hear like these women are like, yeah, no, it's totally typical for two or three days out a midwife or, or somebody similar calls you up and, or, or doesn't even just call you just comes over and like helps you with breastfeeding, helps you with the baby tends to any type of like incision that you may have. And it's just like, it happens no matter what hundred percent of the time. And then if you needed follow-up, they come every day if you need them to. Like that's just covered. It's just covered. It's there's no questions. It's just covered. And every time I talk about this, I just get so angry. It makes me very emotional because it's like, why do we not give a shit about mothers here in the United States? I just don't understand it. It really is absolutely wild to me. Like to be one of the wealthiest nations in the world, 
with literally the shittiest healthcare. I couldn't agree more with any of that. Like that is a hundred percent. It makes my skin crawl when I think about it and you know what we're doing. And in retrospect, thinking about why do I see patients in my clinic with issues five years, 10 years later, whether it be that they, you know, didn't have the support they needed from a pelvic floor, or they have weak gluteal muscles, or they never lost the baby weight, or they all of the things that can happen. Like we have the the potential here to nurture, support, and all of the other podcasts of yours that I've listened to, you know, thinking about all the different aspects of care of of the mother that is lacking in the US. And like, this is, this is a moment we could affect change. Like the mothers are the people that are in many homes around our country, you know, the driving force or the people that kind of hold it together. And our bodies are the ones that are raising the babies and growing the babies and doing all these things. And we're not helping us. We're just saying, good luck after, after you have a baby, whether you have it, whichever way, like just Godspeed again, good luck. I feel like it's just the cycle because the people that need to be advocating for us are is is us <laughs> and we don't have the time. Like I I remember I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody was talking about childcare. So that's like a whole obviously a whole other topic and equally as infuriating. <laughs> but childcare, um, it's like the reason why we never get anywhere in this country with childcare is because the people that are most inundated with issues with childcare are um very busy moms who are working and trying to get childcare, can't afford it or what have you, right? They're moms that are out there doing their best, literally have no time. So the whole time that they're needing all this help, they're not able to go out there and advocate and try to make change. There's just no room for opportunity or time to do that within within the scope of where they are in life, right? And then they get to the, to a point where maybe all of their kids are in full-time school and they're able to work again. And it's like, okay, well, I I don't need to worry about it as much because now my kids are finally in school. I can breathe again and I can do what I need to do. And then it just kind of goes to the wayside because you're like, okay, well, it's no longer, I mean, and this obviously doesn't happen with everybody, but like, you're like, okay, I'm out of that. I'm out of that. I don't need to worry about it anymore. Right. I mean, you're like, thank God. (laughs) That's the problem is like, yeah, that's the issue is like the people that need it the most are too busy to advocate when it's that time. And then by the time they're, they might have some time, it's like, okay, well, I'm well beyond that. Now I finally made it, you know, I can breathe. And I don't know exactly what, and I don't know if you have any ideas of like, what can we do? What can the person and listening do? What can we do right now to advocate more for ourselves? Like, what can we be doing to try to fight for additional support after we give birth or maybe even additional support beforehand? Because in my opinion, as you had said, I think this is not just like an OBGYN issue where it's like, oh, I wish I had more visits. No, it needs to be all the cooks in the kitchen. You need to have a mental health provider. You need to have the physical therapist. You need to have like all these people need to be, you need to be given a packet. Okay. You're pregnant. Congratulations. This is amazing. Here's a packet of all the different things that you might experience. And we set you up with a team. We set you up with a team and here's your mental health provider who you'll meet with once before you give birth just to talk about all the things. Here's the pelvic floor physical therapist who you'll meet with immediately recovering, maybe couple weeks out or whatever. Here's the name of such and such. And you're just given this like pamphlet of like your support team. And even just that alone is like enough to be like, you're not in this alone. Like you have a team. You don't need to figure this out by yourself. You have a number for, you know, a labor and delivery nurse with any questions you might have. And, and like I said, everybody in healthcare is 
so stretched right now and there is clearly no ability for this to even happen. <laughs> yeah. No. But Not there needs to be is the yeah. whole point. There needs to be, right? And nobody in healthcare can put anything else onto their plate because we are all inundated with patients and have no time as it is. Because again, that's the way the system is set up and no one's compensated appropriately. But ideally, I feel like that would be like such a great introduction to motherhood. Like, hey, you have this support team. And then you know, after baby comes, oh, I know exactly who I can ask this question to because I was told. And I don't know. I don't know what we do to like go in the direction of like supporting mothers more. Like how do we even do this? So I I like the joke, talk to me in like five years and we're going to have this all fixed and healthcare is going to be magic because, you know, I'm just over here trying to change medicine by myself in my you know spare bedroom <laughs> right now, like making, making dreams happen. But I 100% agree with everything you said. So I think the basis is starting with education and empowerment, right? So if you're not educated in what is back to our original conversation, what is normal, what is not, it's okay to talk about things like bleeding and your wound and whatever, like you should have the empowerment to be able to speak up. And so that way we can maximize the system that we currently have, right? And the perfect system isn't going to exist in the short term. So what can we do for the people that are listening today? So that way they can actively engage with their providers. Number one is I would say like keep a Google notes doc of all the questions that you have. And don't think that anything is off limits. Make sure you're asking the questions that you have and really engaging with your provider. So that way they feel in that short window that they have to talk to you, that they're giving you the best they possibly can. If you don't ask the questions, we as doctors don't know how to answer them for you, right? You have to say, I don't know how to exercise anymore. What do I do? Or I am still peeing myself when I laugh. Is this a problem? You have to be educated and empowered. So I think that's step one. We have to function within the system that we have. And the thing that I'm really thinking about is when I had this myself and I went through it, this idea, this gap, this problem, that is that's a business, right? Like that's, that's the business of healthcare and that needs to be filled. And it is my job now that I've recognized that because I do have the means and the resources and the education to help fill it. So that's really what I'm working on in my, my own business life is I'm creating a business around trying to help as many of these patients as I possibly can. So social media and building a community. So that way education and empowerment and the information that people need to access at least is somewhere that they can learn. And that's the way I can reach as many people as I possibly can, because this is something that is much greater than one physician and what I can do on my own. And secondarily, creating other resources that people can utilize if they need more help in the short term. And, you know, I dream this again, back to being something greater than just I can do myself. And maybe someday it is individual patients and people working with me, but I think it's also healthcare providers educating other healthcare providers, you know, having a team of people that are learning how to take care of mothers in the peripartum, which is six months to a year after baby to also during pregnancy. And it includes all of the things that you mentioned, nutritionists, mental health. Maybe we can get athletic trainers on board to learn and be educated in how to take care of these people and have them in a community together. So that way it's, it's shared resources. It is education. It is this community. It's empowerment. It's people learning. It's just this, this thing that starts growing on its itself and really affecting greater change. And starting with, you know, what can you do today in the broken system all the way up to maybe a few years from now when I have all of these things together for for anyone who needs them and start teaching other healthcare providers, then maybe things like insurance companies will follow along or hospital systems will start to learn that if other people are doing it this way, this way that is so much better. And honestly, you know, healthcare is so much about money. 
if we set this thing up in this manner, it's going to save money downstream. Because again, I have people that are five to 10 years later, come back to see me and say, I have this big problem when it could have been addressed earlier on. I don't want people listening to think, oh, I, oh, like you said, with going back to my kids are in school now. I'm not, I'm not one of these, one of these moms anymore. Yes, you are. You are, and you were, and you can empower the people that come after you. I had a, I had a friend that I've been working with tell me that, you know, her sister, her older sister was the person that kind of told her all of these things. This is what to expect. This is what's normal. This is what's not normal. And that's wonderful, but we all don't have educated older sisters that can share this information. I don't have it all. This is just, we have to do better from a, a broken system to a perfect system and everywhere in between. Yeah, no, I, yes, I love everything you said. And especially about being empowered and feeling like you can advocate for yourself. I feel like that's a really difficult thing to do, especially when you're, you're caring for something else, right? That you love so dearly. The last thing on your mind is advocating for yourself. It's not something that's intuitive because you're, you're just all in on, on this little thing that you're trying to keep alive, which is a very scary thing. <laughs> yes. I can't um, believe what they just like gave it to you. You know, right. I you're like, like, oh my God. The first time they sent, I was like, you know, I've never changed a diaper, right? Let's yeah. just, can we start there? <laughs> I've had a vivid memory of leaving like the, cause we had a C-section and so our daughter had to be saw the next day and they, they, you know, waiter checked her. They're like, okay, see you in two weeks. And I was like, two weeks. Like, you want me to do this on my own for two weeks? You just think I can just do this? Like, wait, what? <laughs> Is there like an informational manual that comes know, with this it, thing? Or That was for her. Again, nothing for myself. Even like, I didn't go back to see. Actually, I, could, I said briefly, but I had a little bit of a wound complication. So I went back, I think, two weeks and had a wound check. But like, from zero to two weeks for myself, who was there telling me what to do? No yeah. one. No yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And I love how you, first of all, I, I just love that you're like so passionate about this, that you're going to actually, you're really trying to like do something about it. And as you were you were talking about that, I started thinking, so the wheels start turning. And I, I'm one of those people that I have like a million ideas in my head. It's just like, I could never possibly carry them all through. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I'm the idea girl. My right? husband is the executor. I'm the idea girl. <laughs> right. So like, while you were saying that, I'm thinking to myself, like how cool it would be if there was a website and it was like, I don't know, now I'm postpartum or something. And it has exactly what you mentioned, which is like, okay, it includes a pelvic floor physical therapist. It includes a whole handful of team of like labor and delivery nurses, postpartum nurses. It includes OBGYNs. It includes like the whole team, mental health specialists. And all of these different people are are focused in on all the different aspects of postpartum. And like ideally, this would be covered by insurance. We all know in the beginnings it wouldn't be, but that would be the ideal situation is like this postpartum hub is covered by insurance and you're able to like submit questions. You could have a lactation consultant there mm -hmm. to help with breastfeeding and like a lot of this could be done. Now we live in this awesome virtual world, which I'm so half and half on this where like 50% of the time I'm like, this is really weird the way we're going like with artificial intelligence and stuff. But then at the same time, I'm like 50% of me is like, how cool is it that we can provide more help and education to people in a way that we could never do before? And yeah, so this information be, access. Yeah. yeah. Anybody can get it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is like such a wonderful way to use technology, right? Is to be able to like provide educational services to to patients at home from the comfort of their home, not needing to leave because they feel like garbage and being able to get answers and being able to get to su support all in one like postpartum hub yes. that again... So you have just described my dream. <laughs> we're going to we're going to bring it over instead of from random postpartum website to sportsdrmorgan.com. I'm just saying, no kidding. 
No, I'm not there yet, but I have the ideas too. Those are all wonderful ideas. Yes, I want to do that. That's exactly right? what we need. 100% what we need. And, you know, I'm going to do my part, at least in small portions in the beginning. And hopefully we can create more of a dialogue around it like we're doing today. Create informational access points, whether it be through AI or through downloadable courses or information that people can access. And then maybe it grows. And maybe one day there is that website that has all of those different components that you just mentioned, because that is, if we can't do in person for everyone, which again, that's even further down the line, likely before we get insurances and hospital systems on board, how can we do it in a way that allows as many people as possible to get the information and get the help that they need in a way that is comfortable, in a way that is easy, if you will, because like you said, if you're, you're at home and you have all the things going on with this baby and all the things going on with yourself and you're uncomfortable and it's weird and you're exhausted and all of those things that we all felt in that early phase, like there's no way you're just going to have uh, just drive on to like six different appointments. It's just not going right. to happen. No, absolutely not. Yeah. And I, and I feel like too, see now, <laughs> now the ball's just rolling. I, I feel we're like way off. We're, we're going though. We're doing we're going. it. We're, we're just going to change the world. I think right. this, is, this is it right here. <laughs> hey, you don't get anywhere without dreaming. Right. Right. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like in the beginning, you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd, insurance is not going to cover it. So you'd have to charge, I don't know, say you charge a hundred dollars a month or whatever it is for all access to like everyone there and you can set up appointments or whatever it is. But then you could also like have some sort of financial part of this website where people that are well-versed in this, which I am not, can, people can submit to have free care depending on their insurance, like, like if they, and their income, right? So you can submit your income, you can submit, you know, if you don't have any insurance, that sort of thing. And somebody on the other end would be like, okay, no, you can, you'd be able to use this site for free for X this amount is, of months. This is something that I want to do in the beginning of, of what I'm building here is I want to have like a gift card option because I think we think about like the baby registry, right? Like how much of that do we actually end up using or needing? And what if, what if you saw the value in this, this product and you could buy it as a gift card to your friend at her baby shower? Or, you know, something like that. That's amazing. But then taking it a second level, which is what you're saying there is maybe I do have resources. I am very lucky and I understand this problem and I might just donate a little bit of money to this website and this 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 problem. And then that builds a, a fund to be able to help people that don't have that same ability. You know, uh, this is something that uh, one of the things on Instagram, if you follow Solid Starts, they do or they have people that donate and then they use that to help other people that are yes, know, like single parents that. or whatever. Amazing. I love that. Amazing yeah, like idea. you really love the service. Like yep. donate, uh, donate to have one other person be able to use it for free. You know, like it, yep. that's, yep. that's. And like, it can be so small. And if it is such a big community and I don't care about being Instagram famous, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I, I'd rather not be actually like I, whatever. I'm a very introverted person when it comes to those sort of things. But I know that if we could be, there are so many of us that are mothers that feel the same way you and I do. If we can build a community of people that have that same emotional reaction to what we've talked about today, we're going to affect change. And that is what really matters, right? Getting people that feel the same way to start doing their little bits and their little parts the best they can in this broken system to empower, educate, build, grow, change, and then downstream, who knows where this could go? It could be something just really, really, really impactful to how we take care of mothers forever. Yeah. Yeah. Forever. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like where we are today is like, (laughs) we're at the bottom. Like when you sink to the bottom and then you have to work your way back up. Like this is, I would consider this 
like very much the bottom. <laughs> like me right. laying on the bathroom floor when my husband's like poking my wound and I'm thinking this can't be how this is going to be. Like, yes, yeah. that was the bottom. I am the bottom with the husky agree 100%. Healthcare system think, is bad. Yeah. Bad. Like to think about where we are in so many other aspects of life, like technology, for example. And it's like 2023. And the only real substantial thing that I can say is that we at least have the medical capacity to help pregnant people with like labor and delivery. Like people don't die like they used to, right? Like, yeah, well, I mean, although maternal mortality mortality right. here in and the US is not great. So healthcare you know, disparities and access and all of that. Oh, yeah. Yes. We, there are, we've, we've, we've come a long way in a lot of areas of medicine, unfortunately in healthcare access, in um, insurance, in cost, in providers ability to take care of patients the way you want to pay, like all of those things that we've hit on and all the things that your listeners already know, like that are just absolutely miserable, like wait times on telephone calls, trying to find a doctor, getting to your doctor. Like it's miserable. I, I wrote down something when I was building this brand that I was like, I want to think about how I want this to feel. Right. And I want you to like close your eyes and envision what it was like the last time you went to the doctor. right? It's like it was pain to get in. It was uncomfortable when you got there. You didn't know what to ask. The walls are beige and you're rushed and the doctor's late because they're overworked and the staff is undervalued and there's a waiting room of 50 people and they're like all of the things that make that so negative of an experience. I really wanted to change it and be like, okay, how can we do this in a way that makes you feel something good, something joyful, something powerful, something with energy, something that makes you think, man, my doctor's on my side. I see what they're doing. You know, my lactation consultant is here. My team, my people, these are the people that are supporting me through this process. Like this is a, this should be like an exciting, fun experience as we kind of grow and, you know, feel and change into this next phase of our existence, as opposed to like going to the doctor and thinking this is awful every Mm -hmm. time you go, Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. awful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, yeah, it's working in emergency medicine, as you can imagine. <laughs> I have done it, some of that actually. Yes. I mean, well, and your, your husband's an orthopedic. So I feel like it is, I mean, and I've been, okay, let's see, is my 15th year? I don't even know at this point, something great. I think I'm on my 15th year. I have never in my life seen like what I've been seeing in emergency medicine care, like it is outrageously awful. Like there's just, and there's literally nothing any of us can do about it. Nothing. We are functioning in the machine. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, we are so over capacity and, and no one, if someone does care that's higher up in the hospital system, if they do care, it's for approximately one day and they'll get everything cleared out. And then it goes right back to the way it was the next day. There's just, I mean, the system is just so flawed. And I, I, at this point, I think it's probably just going to like dwindle down until it physically cannot survive and then change will happen. Yeah. Hopefully enough of us start to speak up on the things that we do feel passionate about changing. But yeah, ER medicine is, that's a whole thing. It reminds me of like traffic in Los Angeles. If you've ever lived or driven in Los Angeles, it's like there's just too many cars and not enough roads and the traffic patterns are bad and there's crashes. And like, that's what it's like when you're in the ER <laughs> and there's too many people, there's not enough beds, the, the traffic pattern, the resources, the people involved. There's just, it's just, there's no good strategy. And you guys are all just functioning the absolute best you can in this broken system, doing the best you can for people. And 
you know, you don't, as a patient, you don't want to go to the ER because you know this, but like you also maybe well, don't have a primary care. Yeah, what are I mean, the choices A lot of people have? use it as their primary care and, you and they have care, to. You don't know your insurance. You don't have insurance. We could go on for, if we wanted to have a whole other podcast on the problems with medical care, like, man, sign me up for that one. I can, I can go, go down that road with you. But yeah, it's, it's very frustrating and it's, it's just, it's really tough and it's really tough for a patient. It's really tough for the providers. And I've always said that all along. It's like, this isn't like, I'm not saying that any one person or any one group of people are doing something wrong because they're not, we're all doing the best we can in this broken system. And I just, I feel in my gut that we can do this better. And I think I know how to do it. And I think you're, you're hearing it too, because you came up with the same idea. Like there's a, there's a way. We there can is. Amazing. Yeah, there totally is. And I, I think, and I, I'll say this over and over again. I think women are like the most incredible and we are able to handle lots of different things. And I think if we collectively come together on this, like we absolutely can change this. It does not need to be this way. It just doesn't. It it does not. Yeah. So I want to ask you, like, what are some of the things that you experienced that you, whether it was like during pregnancy or afterwards, that you wish somebody had sat down with you and either went over or talked about or informed you about? That's a great question. So I think I was very lucky in my pregnancy. And this is all, again, coming from a place of privilege and extreme knowledge when it comes to my body and function and exercise and wellness. And, you know, again, I've, I've worked with professional athletes and I'm a general medicine doctor. So I know. I know a lot of stuff, we'll say. I was very lucky in that phase and had a very, quote unquote, easy pregnancy. And I'm going to say that like with quotes that you can't air, air see on a podcast because no pregnancy, I believe, is easy. But it went well. And I, I think through that, I wish for other people to have access to that sort of information when it comes to education on movement, exercise, wellness strategies, nutrition, what to expect coming down the line when it comes to postpartum. Because I don't think we we teach and educate very well in that phase. I did actually have, this is interesting, I've never said this before, but I had um, an incentive on our insurance at the time where they would give you a gift card if you would do a phone call with one of the triage nurses through the insurance company once every trimester. That was what what it was, which I thought was a lovely way of trying to get some education. Insurance companies likely doing that because if they can intervene earlier in problems, they can address costs down, downstream. But it was something that I did have that I thought was interesting, except for the fact that the things that were bridged by the nurse as a physician, I would often educate them. I didn't think it was done in a very good way, if you will. Like we focused on weight and am I drinking water and things like that, that yes, are important. But the, the, we'll say the strategies that were suggested weren't always something that I agree with. (laughs) I was very lucky in the pregnancy phase, but now speaking into postpartum more, because I think that's where it hit me more personally. I wish someone would have told me, this is cliche, but how hard it was. I wish someone would have said, this is going to rock your world. Like this is going to change everything about how you feel about your body for a very long time. And using things like it took nine months to get the weight on. So it's going to take that to get it off or using things like you had your six week appointment, just start exercising and it'll be okay. It's just going to take you a long time to do the things you want to do. Like that's not okay. That information is not okay. That's not what we should be telling people. That's that's not enough. And that's what I was told. And so that's why I was lying on the floor in my bathroom at one point thinking, how in the heck, how in the heck am I going to do this? And it didn't, it didn't click until I started applying the athlete knowledge like I talked about. So I wish other people could have that information about how to return slowly to exercise with guidance. And from my personal perspective, it was more about teaching myself the things that I already knew, but applying it to myself in that depth of how hard it actually was. I I thought it would be hard. 
you know, I, I have delivered babies. I've taken care of postpartum mothers in medical school and things, but I didn't realize how hard because it is all encompassing from a physical, emotional, social, your whole life just changes. And I think having someone or some way to educate and to say, okay, this is how hard this is going to be. And this is what's normal. This is what you can talk about that may not be here. Like you need a handheld. You need someone that's there. I didn't, I just didn't know how, how hard it would be and how long that hard feeling would last. It, it lasted a long time, Lindsay, like a long time where it felt like this was just impossible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, and, and when you're in that, it feels even longer. (laughs) Yeah. It feels like a never ending space that just. And people kept telling me I was doing so great. Mm -hmm. And I kept saying, but what if I'm not? Mm. I remember saying that vividly to my husband. He was being like, you're doing great. Like, I'm so proud. And you're, you're, and I was like, but what if I'm not? And, you know, I think one, let's, let's just briefly mention, you know, postpartum depression and anxiety. And that if you're having feelings like that or having things that you feel are very strong, you should get access to help. And there are providers and resources available. I wasn't feeling like that level of problem, but I just, I knew personally I wasn't feeling great. And when everybody kept telling me I was doing great, I was like, but what if I'm not? Like, what if, like, this this can't be how this is supposed to be, right? And I'm like crying, I'm sweating, I'm, you know, hormones and the baby and me and function. And I would go to my postpartum physical therapist who was working with me and saying, like, well, you're you're doing great. You know, you're this is the rehab exercises and you're you look great. And I was like, but man, like this isn't great. This can't be where healthcare leaves me. This isn't great. Like, I can't, this isn't function. This is if this is great in our healthcare society, like what? Yeah. And again, like, you're because imagine being, all the people that do worse. Yeah. Worse than that, right? You're being told that. So you're you're like, oh, it must be me. Like that's what always I feel like happens is like, oh, okay. Okay. Maybe I am doing great. Am I doing great? Uh, okay. I I guess I have like, to be doing I great. This, I guess this is great. This this is <laughs> this is great. Like, uh, okay. Um hmm. Yeah. And it's just, yeah. It's, this is great. And it's just going to take time. Yeah. Just, just give it time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think time is definitely an answer here. And I do feel a lot differently now than when I did, you know, 19 months ago or whatever. But like time is not the only answer. If you do nothing but let time pass, that's not the right way to do this. You're not going to get the better, the way you should get better as fast as you should get better and the ways that you should get better and rebuilding and rehabbing that, that base and that, that function that you need to be able to go forth and, you know, do the things you want to do in life from a, and I'm not just talking about like marathons, like, sure, if you want to do that, great. But like, if you want to have another baby, you know, building that early rehab and function and baseline and function and all of that, you know, as soon as you possibly can and in a good way is important for that. If you want to just go back to your work, your life, not laughing when you pee, going out to dinner with your husband or your wife or like whatever it is, like you want to do these things, you need a certain level that isn't just like, oh, just wait, time will happen. It'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Because we know from the data that like, that's not the case. That's why people do come back and see, you know, me years later. That's why they don't lose all the baby weight. I mean, society is just, you know, to harp on it again, it's just not right. It's just not right. And it makes me angry and mad and I get chills talking. I, I, I get I get hyped up if you haven't noticed by listening. Like I'm just I'm sweating over here, being like ah because I just I know I I hear you. So one of the takeaways I feel like from this particular end conversation here is like if you know somebody that just had a baby, whether it was one week ago or even six months ago, whatever it was, maybe check in on them today. Send them a little text or give them a call and just be like, hey, like how are you feeling? And not using the you're doing great. 
just like the actual open-ended question of like, how's everything going? You know, like, is anything bothering you? Do you want to talk about anything? Just leaving it very open-ended. I feel like yeah, it's how really can helpful. I help? And not the like, mm-hmm. do you want me to help? That's I, we struggle with that a lot still in my life. Is you know, do you want me to help or you know, do you want me to get groceries? Like, don't don't say it like that. Because if you're adding to that, we talk about mental load and the things that are all coming up with that in my head personally. But let's say, what can I do to help? I'm going to get groceries. What should I get for your family? Your, you know, give give specifics. Because as the mother, back to that being the martyr, taking the, you know, the responsibility on yourself with the newborn and the baby, like you're going to say, no, I'm fine. Or it's okay. You don't want to, you don't want to bother other people no, with your, yeah. No, no, no. And back to the normalization, like, oh, well, everybody else seems to have it figured out. Like no one does. Don't, 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 no, they don't. They just, it's especially like, it's just, it's okay. And yeah, if you have a family member, a friend, someone you haven't talked to in a long time, it doesn't matter. Even a year postpartum, I, I would extend it even longer. You know, send them a message today, say, I was thinking about you and how are you? Or do you, you know, want me to get this for you or do this? Or how can I do this for you? Like make it very clear that you're there for them and that you are a resource and um, just support. It's it's a very isolating experience that first, you know, year. I had a, a friend of mine tell me, you know, you don't realize how much time you spend in the dark, you know, because you're always trying to rock a baby to sleep, get a baby up in the middle of the night, you're awake, all of those things. And it's, it's, it's very isolating. Yeah. You you said get a baby up, you know, this is like one of those things that I was completely clueless about. And I was like, I didn't realize how much time I would spend like waking my baby up to eat. Are you kidding me? Like everyone talks about, oh, the baby, you know, doesn't sleep or no, the, the, the couple of weeks where baby is so sleepy and you need to feed them. I'm like, this is like insanity. I'm like up in the middle of the night trying to wake my baby up. Like no one told me about this. Yeah. Yep. And then again, you're doing all of that while still trying to take care of your yourself in a system that doesn't provide you with the education, the understanding, the empowerment, the resources, the time, the support, none of it. And so you're destined and set up to fail and to struggle. And I don't want anyone else to struggle in the way that I felt initially until like, I just don't, it's not, it shouldn't be that way. Well, I personally am excited to see what you end up doing. Yeah, me too. Run. And hey, listen, <laughs> if you're looking for recruiters, I myself, obviously, <laughs> super interested, but I also have a whole slew of people that would be lining up to help and be part of something bigger. So yeah, that is just so let exciting. me know. I'm so excited. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait. You know, in the beginning, I think it has to start small because I am doing this 100% on my own. I am a party of one over here and I'm also a full-time stay-at-home mom um, whose daughter just happens to be napping during this podcast. So, you know, well done. Well done, little one. But I do, I, I do see, and I would love to bring other people on board because as much as I am an expert in what I do, I would love to have other people's involvement because people, people need it. They need more than just what I can create. And I know that, and that's why I'm doing it the way I am. And hopefully soon, you know, you can go to my website, sportsdrmorgan.com or on social media at sportsdrmorgan. And, you know, you can sign up for the wait list for services. I have one launching um, the beginning of 2023. So I'm super excited because I just, I want to help. I want to share what I know and I want to affect change. And the only way I can do that is just by doing it and just by starting and hustling. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to accomplish. Yes. I love it. All right. Is there anything else you want to add to that first part of the conversation? I have two questions for you, but they're completely unrelated to the topic. No, bring them on. Let's do it. So the first question is, if you could give one piece of advice to moms, what would it be? Oh, that's a, that's a, such a big question, right? I 
would say it's okay to ask for support and help. And I'm still learning this myself. And so I say that like cringing my eyes as I'm saying it. I'm still struggling with that personally, but especially in that beginning phase, I was so scared to ask for help because I thought I should be able to do it. And I didn't even know what to ask. So even if you don't know what to ask, ask for help. Say, I don't know what to ask, but I'm not sure about this. Or, you know, feel it just... And and now that she's older, I still I still have moments when I'm like, man, I just want to be able to do it and I should be able to do it. And I I think it's okay. You just gotta be able to ask, even if you don't know what you're asking for. Just just ask something. And people will show up for you. Uh, I've had many people step into my lives in the last 19 months that have been supportive. Getting to talk with you, things like this, this podcast. It's like, you know, people will show up and support. It just you just gotta start saying something. Cause if you don't say it, then we as doctors, the society, your friends, your family, no one knows. And just yeah. Absolutely. All right. The last question is if you can make one meal for your family that everyone would eat, that's relatively quick and easy, what would it be? Well, we have a list in my phone actually we call meals on repeat because again, I'm doing all this on my own and there's just, there's no time for anything. So one of our favorites is we do a lot of taco salad bowls. And the trick is with my 19 month, I pulled the taco meat out a little bit before I season it. So that way she has some and she kind of does a deconstructed taco bowl with some tortilla, some cheese. We use Greek yogurt. She gets a little bit of shredded lettuce and then the meat. And then my husband and I do it on a salad and we do it at least once a week, if not more, because it's super easy, quick, and it's easy to break down for a, a baby. She's been eating like this or eating what we eat since the beginning. So it's she's a toddler. She has her moments, but it's a good way to get in some some easy, quick uh, nutrition. Um, sometimes we'll do an extra like broccoli in the salad and things like that too. But yeah, we go taco salads all the time. And um, for what it's worth, like as they get older, they like really love the deconstructed, like being able to put their meal together by yeah, themselves. Yeah, she loves to play in it. And yeah, yeah playful in a good way. Like, you know, she puts some cheese on the tortilla and she likes what mommy has and dips and she, oh, she loves a good dip, right? Like most toddlers, she'll dip everything in the in the Greek yogurt. And yeah, she's, she's really fun. The other, we do a lot of Greek as well. So we'll do like a, a deconstructed kebab or curries, things like that, that are usually vegetable heavy. And then I just try to pull out if I'm going to do a heavy spice or seasoning something for her first. And she gets a little bowl and gets to play and mix and match and it's it's been fun messy but fun <laughs> yeah always messy always messy I mean I'm just thinking back to, you said dips like my seven-year-old last night we were having what was it oh they were fish tacos and I had rice on the side so it was like a jasmine rice and whatever some veggies I look over and I'm like oh my gosh she got barbecue sauce and drizzled it all over her rice I'm oh, like nice. what are we what's what is going on budding michelin star over there yeah that's uh <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I mean, yeah. you just kind of throw in the towel. At some and then, point like, have like, you noticed branding? I'm sure you do this too, but like uh, branding and how you set up. So we do like, you do a lot of like Greek yogurt or whatever with breakfast and fruit and berries in it. And then I do quote unquote sprinkles, but they're not sprinkles. That's like flaxseed and hemp hearts. And I, she, she, she gets to sprinkle them on herself and she now demands sprinkles. And I just laugh to myself. Funny. Yeah. She demands like, them. sprinkles. If you only knew. If you only knew doing. what real sprinkles were, but someday, someday right now she's happy with those and they make her little, you know, 19 month old self just light up. So yes, girl, get your sprinkles on. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Morgan, for taking your time to share your thoughts about this really important and passionate topic. This was awesome. And I cannot wait to see what you do in the future. It was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, me too. I'm excited. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. All resources mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes on lindsayandco.com. To continue these important conversations, head over to Motherhood Meets Medicine on Instagram. Let me know what you learned from this episode and who you would love to hear from next. I always love getting feedback from you. If you're finding value in this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend.
This will help us to reach even more women from around the world. I'll catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to find some time to unplug, unwind, and have a little fun. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.